Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into The Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Sherry. And we would like to cover every existing adaptation of The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. This includes the live-action Peter Jackson films, the animated ones from Bakshi and Rankin-Bass, and um, also the fan-made... Born of Hope, The Hunt for Gollum, and Horn of Gondor, and also some lesser-known earlier adaptations. Um, may I say lesser-known here? Um, I don't know if they're lesser-known where they were made or not. And um, these include live-action Hobbit and live-action Fellowship of the Ring from Russia, and animated Hobbit from Russia that um, only really covers the first part of it, and also um, an animated Hobbit from an animator from Prague. So we're going to start with the Russian animated Hobbit made in 1991, which this can be uh, found on YouTube both uh, in Russian and in Russian with um, English subtitles. And when I say The Hobbit, it's basically the first part of the story before they meet Bilbo. And it seems to have been intended as a TV series and it wasn't finished. Yes, this seems to be the prologue or um, pilot episode. The actual... Filming without the credits lasts five and a half minutes, and the rest of it, as the total is only six minutes, 11 seconds long, is credits. Searching Russian Hobbit animated on YouTube will show it to you. And the official title of it appears to be Treasures Under the Mountain. And this was um, made by Argus International Animation Studio. And what in- it possibly was interrupted by the USSR being dissolved the same year. Yes, that is a very common uh, supposition on this. Uh, not that we'll necessarily ever know, but... It's probably a good guess. And you want to talk a bit about the cast? Sure. Now, I'm not uh, perfect at uh, pronunciation here, but uh, the director was uh, Roman Mitrofedov, and uh, he had also directed other things previous, The Boat Swain and the Parrot in 1982, and another thing in 1991, yeah, 1991, so same year, and that is in Russian. Now, I believe that was titled Organchik, um, but, uh, the Boatswain and the Parrot was based on uh, fairy tales, uh, and uh, Organchik 
was based on the satirical novel by a Russian writer called The History of a City. Uh, we have uh, the writers listed as Mikhail Bartanev uh, and Roman Mitrofanov, who both worked on the screenplay, and they do give credit to J.R.R. Tolkien, but it says, writer novel, uncredited J.R.R. Tolkien. So... But they did credit him. Does this mean it's maybe not officially... Maybe it's not officially approved by Tolkien or Tolkien Estate or any of that stuff. It's unclear. Um, now, cinematography, Constantin Ineshin, music, Mikhail Mirovich, producer Vladimir Repin, and I was also able to find the names of the two voice actors. Now, one voice actor uh, who did the Gandalf voice. Now, Gandalf's voice is in 99% of this uh, animation. And he was Nikolay Karachinstov. And... Thorin, the second open shield, was played by a voice by Lev Borisov. Now, at the time of the making of this, Nikolay Karachinstov was a well-known uh, actor in Russia and very popular. So. It's not surprising that he was chosen to do Gandalf, and his voice is deep, and uh, it was very, very fitting for his voice to be Gandalf, I believe. Yeah, he was actually singing through a lot of this film. So it's it starts showing the with a rainbow peacock symbol, which I guess is part of Argus Studio, and then they begin with the story of Thrain, king of the dwarves, and how he found gold and jewels under the mountain, and his trade with the men of Dale, and this was all in song. The people in the dwarves they look like. Um, a pretty old-fashioned sort of fairy tale animation look, and more detailed art for the mountain and the town. Um, there's a guy enthusiastically ringing six bells at once because this is Dale, known for its bells. And they sing of the friendship and the happiness of the dwarves and the men of Dale, and. They have feasting and dancing, and there's um, a lot of kissing, too, which um, this, it's not romantic kissing, it's, I guess it's a Russian cultural thing. It's a brotherly greeting. Um, 
and you know we looked into that and our understanding was that um it was common to give three kisses you know alternating cheeks uh especially if you were a close relative and two kisses just for general uh you know men greeting and if you were a, a young woman it would be likely one kiss on a cheek um though and this isn't just russian it's uh actually quite a few different cultures um but it was frowned upon by the leadership of the nations uh so and and these different countries that practice that the leadership was often um uh, communist they show they show the food at the feast and I'll be a nitpicky about the geography and say how do they have lobster they are nowhere near the sea um there's kite flying including a dragon kite now this kite flying was not in the book but it was also you know, much later in the Peter Jackson live action version and I think it may have been inspired by this and they um he sings of a storm coming and it shows the sky darkening and smog comes and he's different looking uh, how would you describe him he's well he he looks like he's got a bit of a rooster head yeah he's got kind of a beakish upper mouth or lip or whatever you would want to say but in side profile he looks less like a rooster it's oh that is the nose that's his nose that's his nose going down sort of like a beak with these broad nostrils and around the edges of his nose or his nostrils and below like his upper lip area um seems to be jewel encrusted where you know they kind of glisten and shimmer um guess that's the only image i got of smog oh inside profile he looks a lot less rooster like but he's he's got a unique design in this um they sing about uh, who can fight a paper dragon and I at first thought is this poetry is this possibly a translation issue but yes it appears to refer to the kites. Yeah, here's a side uh, Yeah, in side view he looks more like the traditional dragon kind of head big horns. Big horns. Um he's wearing like it looks like a metal collar with a red gem hanging from it um red wings red wings his claws are um actually red tipped um and they look 
you know, the, his feet look golden. Um, he's got golden scales on his back. Lots of sharp teeth. Um, I can see the bit of the beak nose, but he barely looks like the same creature that you were seeing in front profile before. Right. Um, warriors fight against Smog with arrows, with of course no, uh, no success, and he burns the city, he burns the mountain, and then there's uh, some singing about uh, when the ice of eternity shall cover everything. And snow of time will fall on all things, and it indeed shows um, a winter scene of snow on the ruins of Dale and on the mountain. And you cease to see any people. Well, they are gone, or they left. They're... Um, you see the footprints leading away, and... Yes, it says... The song goes, the land gradually merges with the sky, and the night gradually merges with the day, but someone left footprints on the snow which lead to the distant hope. And I, I guess this is meant to be Thorin? The dis- yeah, the distant hope is that mountain. Yeah, but that's where the dragon went, so... Uh... I think the footprints are meant to be Thorin's. Well, next you see dwarves around a table, and I thought maybe this was meant to be Bag End, but they haven't gotten to Bag End yet, so this... Maybe they're meeting in the Blue Mountains. And and uh, Gandalf is actually speaking with them and telling them that there is one more to join their group. Possibly it's somewhere else in the Shire, but maybe some pub or something because they don't seem that far from Bag End. Yes, they're they're all uh, around the table and they're chanting revenge, revenge, revenge and um, Gandalf says there's one more to join the group. It's impossible to do this with 13 and they will be helpless and Thorin he says, what are we to do? And this Thorin um, he's got a, he's got a mega red beard, and he's got that blue hood with the big silver tassel on it. They really followed all the dwarf hoods, you know, color coding which dwarf was which, like the book, like the actual book. That's Gandalf. Yeah, the animation for Gandalf looks pretty good. What is he wearing? Is that some kind of armor? Um, it's sort of like an over tunic over something that's like tight to his skin uh I guess so shirt. it's like a short sleeve tunic over a long sleeved under some undergarment of some sort yeah it's not armor it's you're right he's got a very impressive long white beard and a black pointy hat so they seem oh, to be yeah. Here is uh Yeah, there's Thorn with his giant silver tassel. And I think that's probably Dwalin next to him with the green hood and Balin with the red hood and the white beard. And boy does he have a beard. He probably can tuck that into his belt. I mean you can't see because he's got the table there, but it's 
longer than his waist. So, yeah. And it's divided into two sections and plated on each side. Now, the thing about the lucky number, yes, it's in the book, but I kind of felt like it was an excuse on Gandalf's part to get uh, the dwarves to accept Bilbo. And this seemed to be played a bit more seriously. Yeah. So he says that, you know, they'll know a place to go because of the mark that will be there. And next they're seen and, you know, they'll they'll find the mark on the house of the one who will help them. And next you see the dwarves um, heading through, I guess, the woods toward Bilbo's house. One of the dwarves has a pinkish-looking beard for some reason. I don't know whether that was on purpose or the lighting. I I don't know. And you see an owl like fly away from a branch in an oak tree. Yeah, I thought the owl was cool. The owl was cool, and they put quite a bit of detail into that one branch that the owl flew away from. And... And yeah, the branch branch kind of sways a bit after it flies off, but the owl is watching them for a while as they are, you know, traveling below it. And then Gandalf, who is alone now, blows out the candle and it ends and the credits are in Russian. And I can't read any Russian, so did, did you get any complete subtitle of the credits? Because I only got a partial one. Um, I only got... Um, the first part of the credits, um, they only did, uh, the treasure under the mountain, um, and based on the book of J.R.R. Tolkien, Hobbit, and then the rest of the credits were in Russian. So, yes, we... We both think that this was the pilot episode of what was probably meant to be a TV series. I mean, obviously somebody deciphered what the credits were because I did find the list elsewhere, not on the subtitled version, but elsewhere on the internet. Um, so, uh, which... When we are fully dependent on subtitles or what other people have found because neither of us speaks Russian. That's right. The only one in my family who speaks Russian is my older brother. But, uh... Oh, yeah, it's... It's interesting. You can go look it up, check it out. It's uh, only six minutes and 11 seconds to watch. Or five and a half if you don't want to view the credits at the end. <laughs> but uh, the majority of it is in the form of a song. Sung by Gandalf. And... He does have a beautiful voice in singing it. Uh, I did take the time, though it didn't take long, to actually write down all of the dialogue, including the song, uh, in my notes. If anybody is interested in hearing, you know, the full version of the uh, script, uh Maybe we'll make another podcast with it. And both uh, fully in Russian and in Russian with subtitles are both easy to find. 
Just Google Russian Hobbit animated and you will find it. And I think the next one that we'll go over is the the animated one from Prague. Which is about 16 minutes, maybe a little less. Uh, it's it's the full story with some changes, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Thank you for listening to Cast Into the Fire podcast, and uh, look forward to going over the other Tolkien adaptations, all of them. And uh, good night. Bye.